0: Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, show number 333, where we interview Courtney Robinson and talk about her late start journey.
1: I don't have any kind of financial insecurity like I used to have. You know, in that way it's so much better. I mean, in all ways it's better. But I will I do want to say to people, like there's a lot of joy in the journey. I think people are so afraid of change because it's scary and they are afraid that it's going to be hard or they can't do it or they're attached to their ideas about it but like we have a saying in our family
0: which is i would rather be rich than look rich hello 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 my name is mindy jensen and with me as always is my mysteriously absent for this intro but here for the interview co-host scott trench Scott and I are here to make financial independence less scary, less just for somebody else, to introduce you to every money story because we truly believe financial freedom is attainable for everyone, no matter when or where you are starting.
2: Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right, get
0: whether you want to retire early and travel the world, go on to make big time investments in assets like real estate or start your own business, will help you reach your financial goals and get money out of the way so you can launch yourself towards your dreams. Today we're talking with Courtney Robinson, a listener who got a late start on her financial independence journey, hit every roadblock you could think of along the way and still managed to reach financial independence less than 10 years later. Courtney Robinson, welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you. You're a member of our Facebook group. You posted this amazing story a few months ago about how you and your husband, well, I don't want to give away the whole ending, but Courtney is doing a really great job after starting late and starting from not a position of amazing financial security. So Courtney, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I'm a huge fan Well, we're huge fans of you. You've got an excellent story. Let's jump right into it. Where does your journey with money begin? So, I think that it's all relative
1: to go back in time and the fact that I was raised by my grandparents who went through the Depression. And so, growing up, you know, we lived in a nice neighborhood. We had a nice Brady Bunch house, but we never, you know, at that saying that more is caught than taught, that was definitely my experience growing up because we had cars that my grandparents only replaced their cars once in the 22 years that I had them in my life. Um, our house was well kept, but never updated. It was a time capsule for sure. And, you know, they just were very frugal. But on the other hand, while they were very old fashioned and had gone through the depression, they were very smart about a lot of things and my grandfather had purchased land i live in a national park or outside of a national park my grandfather had yeah yes my grandfather had purchased land when they built a lake on the lake and so that was a really good investment that would later help me and he also purchased some private stock options in the company that he worked for i guess there was a private stock market you guys probably know more about that than me but he also purchased some stock options And so I would grow up with these very frugal grandparents, went out on my own at 17. Um, I worked back and forth between Houston and Arkansas as a very young adult. I was uh, modeled young in my life. And so I had these really frugal habits that helped me. And I was very independent and entrepreneurial, but I would get married young to someone who had a lot of problems and we divorced. And then I got remarried at the age of 20 and had three babies And within a very four year period, during that time, my grandparents passed away and within five weeks of each other. And they left me a small inheritance of about, I wanna say it was maybe $70,000. And with that money, I was able to purchase the lake house from my mother. At the time, it wasn't worth a lot like it is now. And I was able to take that money and stay home and raise my children. I was also in college at the time and was in college until I was 29, going at night, working part time, and taking care of my three little boys. Um, fast forward, later in my 30s, I would adopt a little girl that was nine years old. And fast forward a little more than that, and at 40, my ex husband and I got a divorce. And so I found myself with four teenagers. <laughs> One, my youngest son, who's 25 today, has autism, and so here I am, divorced, single mom. I'd been working part-time. I had become a yoga teacher at 30 and become a yoga therapist. I owned a school, um, a vocational school, and I used that money from that vocational school to kind of build up and put myself in a position to be able to support myself, but at that time, I was only making about $15,000. So that's when I'm, right after that's when I met my current husband, which we dated for six years. Do you want me to go on or do you want me to stop there or?
3: So well, at the moment, um, around the time of the divorce, what was your financial position like? Uh, look, you have fifteen thousand dollars in income per year from, it sounds like uh, yoga and, and the related activities with your school you owned. Um, any other assets or how, how are we doing on debts?
1: So 15000 not fifty. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know if you said 50 or 15. I had 15. I was making about 15. Um, I had helped my ex-husband get through college with my inheritance. And I had the debts we had. We had had a house. I want to say it was probably we had about 170 mortgaged on the house. We had some visa loans for some windows we had put in this old house that was built in 1930 we had my car loan and we had his school loans. And so when we divorced, I inherited part of that Visa credit card for the windows. I had my car loan and I had the house. I ended up buying the house from him. The divorce took about a year and a half, and over that time I increased my income by honestly I I went to work more. I started, I went to my bosses where I was teaching classes and asked if they had a job literally the day after we split up. And they did. They gave me a job as a director over all the fitness. And so I went to work just trying to earn more money. And I don't really know how I survived that first year, to be honest. But my position was that my net worth was probably about $20,000 at the end of the day, and very little income. And I didn't receive any child support or support for about a year that first year. So it was tough. It was really tough.
3: So, you and you have four kids that you're, you're, you're taking care of at this point in time?
1: Yes. My kids were 14, 15, 16, and 18. Wow. Yes. Those are the easy years.
3: Yeah, yeah. Could you give us any idea of how you were able to to budget on that or, or, or manage through that in that in that particular year?
1: So I remember, you know, calling my creditors and talking to them about the situation and working it out. I want to say that my I had a yoga school and I had had fourteen thousand dollars put in the savings account for that yoga school. Now, I'm going to be honest, my ex-husband was not very good with money, and so I wasn't lying about the money and saying, but I would say that it was for the school, but I lived off of that money that first year in addition to the little bit of money I had coming in. So, there was about $14,000 in savings um, with the yoga school. I say savings in air quotes, Um, and then there was the money I was earning, and then I started getting a little bit extra, but we literally lived on like scrambled eggs and peanut butter and jelly. There was no extra anything. I put my kids on free lunch, um, at school and free breakfast. And that, and I think my ex-husband was having to pay half the house payment. It was such a blur because I started working so much, but, and that held us over for a little bit.
3: Awesome. Awesome. Well, so uh, sorry to interrupt there. I just wanted to get a snapshot. Um, Please continue with the story.
1: So I ended up, because I owned a yoga school, I had had it for two years, and it was pretty successful. I never meant for it to take off like it did. I was always happy just kind of making the grocery, you know, budget. But at this point, I needed to make a go of it. So I'm working at the YMCA, making about $600 a month. I am teaching yoga school. So I decide I'll go teach yoga workshops. So I start traveling around every other weekend while the kids are with their dad or the oldest one could take care of himself. And during the week, I start working, teaching more classes every day. So on the weekends, I'm teaching yoga school or I'm teaching yoga workshops. And I would make, you know, anywhere from $1,000 to $3,000 a weekend doing that. But for the next nine years, I would work literally 28 days a month, but I was still able to be home when the kids got home from school and I was able to have some flexibility, you know, because when you teach classes, like you're either going to teach a morning class or an evening class. So I had some flexibility to be there for the children um, when they needed me. And I had a little bit of help with my parents as far, not financially, but they would like help me watch the children if need be and everything. So, After I got divorced, I met my now, he was my boyfriend for the first, I would say six, we've been together 10 and a half years and I do want to expand on Jim a little bit. I have, so my youngest son has autism level two, which means some support. He is independent. He lives on his own, but I manage his money and we supplement his income and everything. So I heard about this guy who had this dojo. He was a ninth degree black belt that had all these kids with disabilities. And my son was being bullied. And so I take my son to this dojo and my husband now meets me and he says to he tells me now, he says to himself, I'm either going to lose a student or gain a wife. (laughs) So um, as soon as he realizes I'm single, (laughs) he, he asks me out and I'm thinking, this seems like a really stupid plan, you know, he's my son's teacher, but we kind of kept it under wraps and we um, started dating and I find out that he's in law enforcement part-time at the time. He owns this dojo and he's doing construction on the side and we fall in love and I find out that he is in bankruptcy and he has tax liens and I'm like, Oh no, like this is not going to work. And so We don't break up or anything like that.
3: Just, just to get a quick thing. What time period are we in right now? What year is it?
1: We're in. So I'm 51 now. We're at the point. I got divorced at 40. I'm 41 when I meet him. Okay. And this is 2012. 2012. Yes. Okay. Um, We met in late 2011 and started dating. And I tell him, like, I will not get back in a situation financially like I was in before. I would rather live in a ditch than, you know, be married to someone who's <laughs> who's bad with money. So he goes to a Dave Ramsey class with me. I have been to two in my life. And I actually want to mention that I started reading Larry Burkett, who was Dave Ramsey's predecessor. And, you know, often he doesn't often get much credit but I started reading Larry Burkett 20 years before Dave Ramsey came around. And I tell my now boyfriend at the time, you're going to go through this class with me and you're going to get your financial stuff together or I'm not getting married. And it takes a while. It takes about four or five years. He gets all of that ready. I mean, all that figured out. And we start. I start to help him with the dojo. And I realize it's not really making any profit. This tender hearted, tough guy is letting too many people come to school that can't afford to pay for it. And the business is suffering because he's not making people pay their tuition. And so eventually we close the dojo and I'm telling him like this construction business you have is really something like this could be really good. So I help him. I'm really good in the office and he is a hard worker. My husband is a cop, a Marine, He had former bareback Bronco rider and an at-degree black belt. So when I tell you workaholic, like you get the picture. I am the opposite of all of that. So he gets his financial stuff together around 2014. He gets the bankruptcy cleaned up, the tax liens. We get the business going on the roofing business, which is our main business now. We're not married. We haven't yet moved in together. Two thousand and fifteen, all the kids have graduated. They get out of the house except for the baby. We move in together.
3: Can I ask one question before we get into that? What was your financial position like at that point when you when when you met?
1: I worked myself up to um paying my car off. I paid the visa bill off. I paid my lawyer off for the divorce, which cost a fortune. I shouldn't have. And um I buy the house
3: in a year and a half.
1: In four years. In four afraid, years, I go from making 15000 to $57,000 by working all the time, just working all the time and living.
3: And, and where are you living during this period again?
1: I owned a house in town. Now we live out on a ranch.
3: In which state is that? Arkansas. Arkansas. Okay, great.
1: Very low cost of living. That's very important to this story is mm-hmm. Arkansas is one of the cheapest places to live and you know, I was able to live on about thirty-three thousand dollars a year while making fifty-seven. So I was saving and the other the rest of it. I built up a about a twenty-five thousand dollar emergency fund during that time. And by the time he moved in, I would say we were making about seventy to eighty thousand and we were living on about thirty three thousand
3: and I'm sorry to keep interrupting here. I just want to get the whole snapshot here. So could you go through those debts one more time that you paid off? you had the car loan and how, how much how much were all those debts that you paid off in those in those four years?
1: I had eleven thousand on the car loan. I want to say I had about seven thousand on the credit card. Um, the house payment I refinanced it ran me about eleven hundred a month. Um, I would later sell it and make a profit and I'll get to that. Um, and then I had, I'm sure I'm trying to think, I ended up getting another vehicle that I had a small car loan on because I was traveling. But it took me about four years to get out of debt, save a big emergency fund. I'm trying, it's hard for me to remember the exact amounts because I also ended up paying my attorney about $10,000. And I paid my ex-husband $5,000 for the house.
3: So overnight success in building a financial foundation and four years of just grind um, here with four kids in the house. Coming and going, it sounds like, as some of the kids, sounds like they were getting about time to move out or or getting into early adulthood during that period as well.
1: Yes. uh, So three of them went off. I say three because I'm including my stepdaughter now. Three of them went off to college my son with a disability, of course, stayed with me until a few years ago. And then my other, I had a, a do you say failure to launch? I had a late to launch one as well who didn't leave till 23. Um, so, yes, I had still had kids at home. But they were going to college from home. Um, one of them was, some of them were living at home going to college. And while I didn't make them pay rent, I did make them pay for their cell phones. I made them pay their car insurance. I bought them each a clunker, like a $2,000 car, um, but they were responsible for repairs and costs that went along with that. So while they they had a roof over their head and I paid for their clothes and their food, I did make them work and be responsible um, because I had to, you know. Mm-hmm. So around 2015, my my now husband, we don't get married, he moves in. We get the roofing business going. The yoga school is going. I write a book and then another one.
3: What are your books on?
1: Yoga therapy. Okay. Yeah.
3: We'll have to link to those in the show notes here.
1: Yes. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, so from about 2015 to 2016, we get the roofing business really going and we're, we're debt-free except for the house and I have this one vehicle that I'm using to travel around and, and teach. I, it is in my personal expense, but the business was covering it at the time. Um, we found this land that we're on now. We have 40 acres. Mindy, I don't know, Scott, if you remember the show Green Acres, but it's Green Acres. I mean, I hear the song in my head. And my
0: acres is the place to be. Oh my God. Living is the life for me. (laughs) Scott is not old enough to.
1: No, it was a show about a guy who wants the country life and a city girl and they get married. And it's just, it's hilarious. So we, we buy this ranch. It's 40 acres. It's grown up. It has an old trailer on it, an old house, a barn, all these outbuildings and about 40 horses just roaming around. And so, I, will, I want to preface this. There is a local bank that took pity on me when I was going through my divorce. Getting a loan, making $15,000 a year and having debt was almost impossible. I went to like four different banks. Um, no one would give me a loan. There was the president of a bank who knew my situation with my ex-husband. And for some reason, that man took pity on me. I had a great credit score and he gave me a loan. I mean I, I still can't understand how that happened. But it was a local banker. And so I was able to buy my house from my ex-husband because I had paid that loan on time, never been late, paid a little bit extra. When it came time to buy this land, he gave me a bridge loan. Now my husband now could not be on the loan because he had bankruptcy. So it was me owning the house. It was me buying this land. I think a lot of people see my husband and I because we're 12 and a half years apart. Maybe they think he was my sugar daddy or something, but it wasn't that way at all. So we buy this land. We only borrowed $218,000 because we were going to remodel the old farmhouse that was on the property. We purchased it for 120 my jim had saved $48,000 in 2 years to put down on this this land we put down 24 we used the other 24 to clear it and clean it up which we promptly realized we cannot save the house um it's falling in and decaying so we have to build and we decide not to borrow any more money so part of our story and I I hear it a lot with the fix and or the fix and flips I believe that's what you call it um is elbow grease. I mean to the extreme. We we did so much of this work ourselves. We built this house ourselves. Um except my husband did all the woodwork, the roofing, the insulation, the staining, the painting. We hired HVAC, plumbing, and as things would come along, we would pay for them as we worked. So we were paying as we worked. We got in the house for $218,000 in 2018, and we got married. I still had my house in town. I could not sell it. It wasn't selling. It was back in 2017, 2018. It makes me sick now because it's worth about 100000 more than what I sold it for. I sell it, and I made about... $36,000 profit on it. And I was able to pay off that one little car loan that I had. We're completely debt free, except for the mortgage.
3: When you say we're, we're completely debt free, I'm sorry to, to again interrupt. I just want to make sure that I, I, so that f- folks get the whole story here with, with these things. You mentioned that during this period before you, you got married, uh, your husband uh, paid off or cleaned up his financial situation. Would you mind giving us the highlights of that as well? And then returning back to this the situation following selling the house?
1: Yes. So my husband and I, neither one ever experienced. I probably grew up, he grew up very poor. His dad was a church builder. And um, so my husband lived in what was the equivalent of deer camp. I don't know if you know what deer camp is, but it's not very nice. (laughs) He lived in an old house. He rented for $500 a month. He did not have a lot of bills because he had gone through bankruptcy. He got the tax liens. Uh, I don't know that they were liens. He owed a tax bill and he got it reduced down and paid it off. Um, He went through that Dave Ramsey course, but if you ask Jim and I'm kind of glad he isn't here because you never know what will come out of his mouth. But if you ask him what was the biggest thing is I had him sit down and write what his income was and write what he paid every month. And he said realizing needs before wants was the biggest impact. Just needs before wants. He was the type, he's an old cowboy. He was the type that, like, if his daughter wanted a $400 prom dress, he got her a $400 prom dress, even if that $400 was to go to the electric bill. You know, he just... He didn't have any financial education, and it was all about making his daughter happy. And while, I mean, and not just her, he was just always kind of living by the seat of his pants. And for him, I just think once he realized that needs had to be paid for before wants, he just cleaned it up. And I think during that time, I would also like to say he had open heart surgery He's very fit. They said he was the fittest patient they've ever seen. For 64, you know, he's an athlete. And he had to have open heart surgery and five bypasses. And that was a real wake-up call as well.
0: Five bypasses?
1: And he was, he, that very year, nine months after that open heart surgery, he went to Italy and competed in Taekwondo for a world championship and won. I mean, he's, he's a beast. And Anyway, I just I think also, I mean not to toot my own horn, but I think he was so worried I was I wouldn't marry him and I would leave that he was willing to make whatever changes you know had to be made to stay together. And he started to see the benefit. He said taking that money, that 48,000 he had saved and giving 24,000 at closing or giving me 24,000 because I was the one doing it. Uh, It was the hardest thing he ever did. He started really loving that feeling of having money in the bank because he had never had any money in the bank.
3: When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet.
0: Scott's right. minimum balance to open, maintain membership savings account, and to obtain bonus. Visit NavyFederal.org for more terms and conditions. Listen up, business owners. Here's some quick math. Fewer costs equals more profit. The problem? You're spending more than ever on operations, materials, deliveries, software, and more. So why not reduce your costs and headaches with NetSuite by Oracle? NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite lives in the cloud, which means you can reduce IT costs with no hardware required. Cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because now you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. It makes sense that over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Don't let rising costs sink your business's growth. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks head to netsuite.com slash bpmoney. That's netsuite.com slash bpmoney. Netsuite.com slash bpmoney. I think we need to go back and focus for a moment on what you told him to do. Go back and write down how much you are making and write down how much you are paying out. And it's one thing to have a general idea in your head, but having those very stark numbers in black and white on a piece of paper, staring at you with your income at the top and all of your expenses underneath, and then looking at that and saying, wow, my income is $1,000, but my expenses are $4,000. It's that can be the the slap in the face that you need to make the changes. I'm sure he never looked at that before you suggested that. I just make some money and then I pay some money and that's just how it goes. And if you don't have the financial education and the financial background to understand this, it seems so no-brainer to people who are listening to us sitting here talking about this, but that's kind of the first step. Look at your obligations. How much are you paying out every month? And then how much is coming in? If you're paying out more than you're coming in, you're not going to be saving anything. You're not going to be growing anything. You're just going to grow your debts and that's it. So that was really like, yeah, he had a great motivator to keep Courtney. Courtney. Uh but he also needed to do the changes himself. He could have just said, you know what, this is just how I am. I'm a good old boy and that's just what we do is we just have debts and and that's just how life is. But he didn't. He changed his life and changed his financial situation because he wanted to make the change. And you know, ten years before, maybe that wouldn't have been a thing. Maybe he would have been like, you know, I just don't want to do this anymore.
3: Well, and it all comes from, you know, a particularly entertaining version of a money date.
0: <laughs> yeah
3: <laughs> before you got married. Uh so so uh,
1: <laughs> Well, you know, he,
3: I think I think it's fantastic.
1: I think he also saw the the opportunity like he really wanted a a, a ranch and a farm and and all of that and He saw that there was a way to have those things, but you have to save and work for them. And he was, once we saw the black and white, I think what he was doing was he had this job at the court and it was a W-2 job. And then he had all this side work he was doing and he wasn't really counting that money. You know what I mean? He was just a sole proprietor and he wasn't really counting that money and he didn't know how to turn it into a business. So once And I didn't go in and just say, you're going to do this. I said, would you like my help? Like, this is what I want out of my life now. I'm 40 years old. You know, this is what I want my life to look like. I also had gained my own independence knowing that I could support myself. And that helped a lot because I got to the point, I didn't feel like I needed anybody. And that was a lot healthier position for me to be in, for us to go into it being a team I would say, so I forgot to tell you, too, that one thing I did do right, because I had been following Larry Burkett and Dave Ramsey and, you know, all of those, and I had been very big into the voluntary simplicity movement. I don't know if you all are familiar with that, Um, that I did when my ex-husband got his job, we both worked at the college, the local college. Um, I worked in health and fitness and he was um, he's now the vice president of computing. One thing I did know to do was we had a 401k there and I made sure to get the match. So when we divorced, there was about, oh my goodness, $180,000. And he never once questioned that that was our 401k because we'd been together since we were 20, you know, and, um, so I did get half of that, and I put it in a brokerage firm account, and it never really grew. <laughs> so needless to say, when I found you all and J.L. Collins, my life changed greatly when I got away from that broker. So I just stuck that money there, and I never touched it. So we come back to 26, 2018. We purchased this house, but we're still working ourselves to death. I'm still traveling. Um, I'm still owning the yoga school. I'm exhausted. He's working as a police officer and court security. Um, We're we're running the roofing business. We built an Airbnb on our property, which we did not with the money that was left over from the sale of my house. So that $30,000 and then we cash flowed the rest of it. We actually built it for our son who's disabled, but it didn't work out. He ended up getting my son is on a HUD program and they won't let you rent to your family. So I could not rent it to him. A friend of mine rented to him. So I've got this cabin on my property and I'm like, okay, well, I guess we're Airbnb now. So we have an Airbnb on our property as well. And over that four-year period, we're keep hustling, grinding, hustling, grinding, because now you don't know how to get out of the hustle and grind, right? You're just, you, you're so used to it. And um, we paid off our house in four years. So we were paying an average between maxing out our IRA at $14,000 a year, 7000 apiece. because I'm 51 and he's 64 now. Um, and... We paid about $40,000, was it 40? No, $60,000 a year on the house. So our house was paid off this March. Um, I moved everything over to Vanguard. Thank you. We make about 110 to 145 a year. Most of the time it's around 110 and, and that's adjusted gross income. So We paid off the house. We were maxing out the IRAs. We built up an emergency fund of $60,000. And, um, in that amount of time in 2019, I decided to leave the school to close my school because I went to work for a doctor. I had been working for him and I went to work full time for him as his yoga therapist for the clinic. And, um, yeah, we've just been hustling, grinding. I don't I don't know what to say about that. It's not really g- glamorous. It's like we're frugal. We hustle and grind. You know, I heard Mindy, I heard you on that show with, uh, is it Ramit? I don't yes. I'm that wrong. Yeah, I'm the one that got all mad when you started crying. I was like, don't pick on Mindy. I know what that's like. I have <laughs> so much trouble. Like, it's so hard to enjoy spending when you aren't really used to it, you know, like you're not used to spending all this hard money that you've, you've been working for. So yeah, so that's where we are today. So now today, do you want me to go through like where we are with our finances now?
3: That, that'd be great. Yeah. If you could share where you're at.
1: Okay. So I had two realtors come out and look at the ranch. So we have two newer cabins on the ranch. One's 1800 square foot. And I would say ranch. I use that term lightly. Um, We have adopted animals; they're all rescued, (laughs) except for two. So they're just our pets. So it's not cheap to take care of them. Um, We have sixteen right now. Wow! So horses, yeah, horses, donkeys, uh, cats, and dogs. So we have eighteen hundred square foot cabin and a four hundred twenty square foot cabin and forty acres and it is valued at between 750 to a million depending on which realtor you speak to. We don't owe anything wow. on it. I say 750 cuz I feel like that's a conservative place. But we have the problem that I hear you all face cuz I listen to every episode, which is we most of our income most of our net worth is tied up in our home. And so our investments you know, that's taken a big hit. They're down. I'm in Vanguard. Uh, we're in VTSAX and international, an international index fund and an international bond, or in a bond fund, index fund. I don't remember exactly, but those are down quite a lot. And they're about 177 combined. Mine is about 160 and his is about uh, 17 to 20. And then, in cash, we have, oh gosh, I, I do listen and I implement. And I would say that I think that's the one big thing is I've implemented all the things I hear you all talk about on your show. And so I keep what I guess you would call CapEx funds or emergency funds for all the businesses. So the cabin, I've never taken any money out of it. Thank you. There's $4,500 in the cabin fund. The yoga fund, because my business, I'm because I'm in a heart clinic, we've really taken a hit with COVID, and my income is hit and miss with that. So there's $4,500 in what I call the yoga fund, um, which doesn't really need to be there, but I have to pay for a licensure and stuff like that. Um, $45,000 in our uh, money market, and then right now there's about $85,000 in our roofing account. And so we have just switched over putting me on the roofing as an employee. And I know this is, you know, this is more of a money success story, but that's that's where we are. And we're trying to get to the point where by next year we're semi-retired. So we'll keep our roofing business open and the Airbnb, but my job may be phasing out anyway. I don't know if I'll keep being a yoga therapist. I'm not sure. So yeah, that's where we are. So it's it's been a lot of grind, but I guess my message is always when I see people in the group. I especially get tickled with the 30 year olds who think they're getting a late start because I'm like, it's all right. <laughs> You're gonna be all right. You know. <laughs> um, but yeah, in 10 years we went from broke to, you know, technically being millionaires. And it's but it's not been anything other than just doing the steps
0: that you learn on here, you know?
3: That's fantastic.
0: That's the thing. It's, there's no magic button. I mean, winning the lottery would be super awesome, but that's not repeatable. And that's, you know, that doesn't make for a very interesting story. Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. Thanks, I won the lottery. Okay, and that's the end of the show. Like, that's not fun to listen to and that's not repeatable. This is repeatable because you change, you recognize what you were doing was not the path to wealth. You changed your actions, you changed your habits, you changed your entire financial life, and then started growing it. It didn't happen overnight because that's not how it does. it happens. It happened over 10 years. But how many people have we talked to, Scott, where it happens over the course of about 10 years, starting from zero? You can get to financially free or so close you can taste it in about 10 years. And that is That's the message I want to send to anybody who's listening who is thinking that, oh, I got a late start. Can I even do it? Yes, you can. In 10 years, you're going to be 10 years older if you start today or if you don't start today. In 10 years, you're still going to be 10 years older. So start today.
3: After a 10-year period of self-sacrifice, grinding it out at work, uh, raising your incomes, studying the subject of money in a general sense – um, building out cash reserves, boring old cash reserves, and then investing consistently in something, um, um, you're, you're, you will, you can recreate this type of situation. Yes. And that's, that's the story. That's why people don't do this at a large level is because it's not, there's no, there was no secret, uh, to your success here. It was just hard work and consistency over a long, long period of time, um, to get to that. Now, let me ask you this though. Is your life better today than it was when you started this journey? Yes. Has it been getting better?
1: Yes. I mean, it's better. It's so much better. I don't have any kind of financial insecurity like I used to have, you know, in that way. It's so much better. I mean, in all ways, it's better. But I I do want to say to people, like, there's a lot of joy in the journey. I think people are so afraid of change because it's scary and they are afraid that it's going to be hard or they can't do it or they're attached to their ideas about it, but like, we have a saying in our family, which is I would rather be rich than look rich. So, you know, I kind of, I know this is crazy, but I kind of took pride in my husband driving around, which we just got a new truck, not new, new to us. It's a 2007. But my husband was driving around a 1999 Ford that we paid a $1,000 for and You know, my husband is like a dirty farmer all the time. I mean, he's, he's usually in dirty Wranglers and an old cowboy hat. And he looks like he just, you know, got through picking potatoes. I mean, he's just, and, but yet I'm like, but he's, you know, he's got it down. And, And it made me proud that, you know, we've made these choices. Like, I don't mind driving a 2013 Honda Accord at all. It doesn't bother me in the least, um, I just take a lot of pride in that. And there's a lot of joy in that for me. And finding ways to hack, you know, to hack things also. I find so much joy in that. Like, you know, going to a matinee and out to lunch is half the price than going to an evening movie, an expensive dinner. But it's the same. I get the same value out of it. Or using credit card reward points to pay for a vacation that cost me a quarter of what it would cost me if I didn't know these things. So it's just exciting when you do that, you know?
3: Yeah. Travel rewards are very powerful when you own a roofing business, I'm sure.
1: Yes. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> so that, well, let me ask you this, how, how much does your life cost you today?
1: Well, with inflation, it's definitely been a little bit of a jolt. Um, I was thinking we could retire on about 30000 a year, but then, and of course, we're in a very low cost of living area. Um, I was just up in your neck of the woods because my son actually goes to school in Fort Collins and I come up there quite a bit. And it's a lot more expensive where you live. I mean, definitely hands down. But I've been listening to Carl and Mindy talk about their budget. And I've decided that right now, while our life is probably costing us about $42,000 a year currently, where before it was about thirty six that I will feel comfortable retiring on about 48 to 50 with a nice emergency fund. And, you know, I would like to say to the people who are older, like we are, like we have a plan too for the inevitable, which is if something happens to one of us, we have a trust. And we also know that at some point we may downsize and sell this place and get a smaller place. So I think it's important to, I've seen my mother lose two husbands and at young ages, and I think it's important that people also have a plan for your future. You can live for today, but you definitely need to have a plan, um, and that helps you enjoy life more in the present when you know you've got those things taken
0: care of. How much income does the Airbnb generate?
1: So it's paid for um, because we cash flowed it when we built it. But I would say on average about six hundred a month is what I came up to because I knew you'd ask me that question. Um, we've never so during the pandemic, my son was in Maryland. One of my boys was in Maryland for a while, and he came back here and lived and just worked on the farm in exchange for living there. So we opened that in February of 2020, and we all know what happened. And so it hasn't been consistent. When I keep it open, it's very consistent. Um, But around 600 is my profit every month.
3: Awesome. What would it be if you kept it open consistently the next six months?
1: I think I could double it. Okay. And you said there are two on the property? So there's the house we live in. And then about 400 feet away, there's a little cabin, a little uh, 420 square foot cabin.
3: How much of the house you're living in Airbnb for?
1: Oh gosh, I don't know. I know that the rent on the house that we live in would be around $2,500 a month here. You know, rent's a lot cheaper here than it is where you are. But um, I don't know. I never really thought about it because quite frankly, I'm really weird about, I don't, you know, I don't really want to manage. I don't love doing Airbnb. It's not hard. Um But, you know, we're older, we're tired. We've been hustling for 10 years. (laughs) Um, We both would kind of, when we retire, we want to spend four years traveling. And then, and we plan on doing some of that. You know, we've been trying to do more of that now because my husband is still healthy at 64 and very fit. And, um, but we don't, you know, we don't want to Airbnb forever.
3: Well, we'll we'll have to think through this at, at at a future time, maybe on a finance Friday um to think how through how we could uh how how we, how, how we can get to that re- over that retirement hump uh in the next couple couple of years as fast as possible here i think that'd be that'd be do you think that would be fun
0: i think that would be a fun exercise yeah let me think about this for a little bit and we'll uh, get her back on and do a finance friday as well cuz i see a lot of opportunities here
1: yes i have lots of questions Because our roofing business is, you know, weather dependent. And we had a really bad storm this year. And I know Scott's got to get here in a sec. But uh, we've been really profitable this year. Like, crazy profitable. And now I'm, like, freaking out. What do I do? Like, where do I put this money? You know, because I'm looking at the market. And it's just like, okay, I know it's on sale. But it's still scaring me, you know, quite a bit. So, yeah. I'm trying to figure out where did all that money that we were putting on the house where put it now, you know?
0: Okay, so my philosophy is with the market going down is it, you're not investing for tomorrow. You're investing for 10 years from now, five years from now. So it's okay that the market's down a little bit right now because you don't need this. If you need this money tomorrow, do not put it in the market right now. It's not wow. the best way to put to, uh, it's not the best time to do that um, because you don't know how long it's going to be uh, you know, squidgy, uh, but you <laughs> will need money in five years. You will need money in 10 years. So that's the, that's the, the thought to have. Um, but yeah, if there is money that you need in the next five to 10 years, actually, Scott, what, what time frame do we want to call that two to five years?
3: Well, I think Courtney, wh- wh- when do you want to retire? Wh- wh- what's your, what's your goal?
0: Well, so my goal right now is to save
1: $200,000 in cash um, in the next four years and have 400000 in investments. So I have contacted Fidelity about a solo 401k. I also contacted Vanguard. They make it hard. Um, fidelity. Go, to, seems go a with easy. Fidelity. Yeah. So, I, and I'm looking at, you know, putting some of that cash in the treasury bonds as well.
3: It's a four-year goal. We want to get to the best position we can in four years, right? That makes things harder because we can't, you know, it's one thing to say, oh, I'll just stick it in index funds because in 30 years, they'll probably be higher, right? Well, they may not be higher in four years. And that's going to be the, the challenge in, in, uh, in thinking through um, how, to, how to set up your portfolio. you got to design it for something that you're, you got to design it so that it's in finished state, ready to be drawn down in four years, not invested for a long-term maximum value.
1: Right. Well, and my plan is to have some savings built up to use in that period from the time I'm 55 to the time that I'm 59 and a half or 62. So to have cash reserves to use, because also got to get my health insurance down. So I need, if I'm going to be on the ACA, I've definitely got to get my income down. So.
3: Well, this will be a good discussion. Let's, let's have you back on in in a, in a few days here and do about, and talk about the, uh, um, the the what's next part of the journey and and think it through.
1: Thank you. It's been such a joy to talk to you both. I appreciate it.
3: Courtney, we, we really appreciate the story. This is this is phenomenal. Um thank you so much for sharing the 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 struggles and the triumphs um that you've had over the last couple of of, of decades here and and we re- really
0: appreciate it. Thank you so much. Courtney, this was a lot of fun. I really love your story because it highlights the uh, rewards for hard work, which is exactly what you and your husband did. Tell him kudos from all of us. He did a great job fixing his finances. You did a great job fixing your finances, but we're not done yet. Today we're going to do the famous four. Just me asking because Scott is having technical difficulties.
3: Famous four.
0: So, Courtney, are you ready? Yes. What is your favorite finance book? I don't know that I have a Famous
1: Finance book per se, but I love the course, Voluntary Simplicity, which is a book, but Voluntary Simplicity, it's a book and a course. And I was a volunteer facilitator for that for about 14 years.
0: That's interesting. Okay, I'm going to have to check that out. I haven't heard of that one. Uh, What was your biggest money mistake?
1: Oh, so many. (laughs)
0: There's
1: (laughs) There's so many. Um, I've thought about this and I actually have two. the first one would just be like, I wouldn't trade. I don't look at life in regrets. I look at life as an educational experience, but that one thing I I share with my children is it's very important. The person that you marry that to your financial situation when the most is who you marry. The second one was buying a car with someone who didn't have the title in hand. (laughs) I don't know that I even need to expand on that because it was so stupid, but yeah.
0: You know what? We can't go back and change any of these things. I am not here to tell you that you made a big mistake. We move on and sure. we we learn from our mistakes. But, you know, buying a car in general is one of the biggest, one of the most frequent biggest money mistakes. Yes. Yes. Uh, okay. Well, let's switch gears and say, what is your best piece of advice for people who are just starting out?
1: To Two. Try to stay out of debt. <laughs> avoid avoid debt that doesn't have an asset tied to it. That'd be my number one. I like that a lot.
0: Uh, in honor of Scott, what is your favorite joke to tell at parties?
1: Okay, I had to write it down. I don't have a favorite one to tell at parties because I can't remember any of them. But what <laughs> sound does a cow make when it runs out of milk? Oh, I don't know. None of the none. There is utter silence. Oh. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And I have one for you based on yoga. Okay. What do you call a bagel that has mastered yoga? What? A pretzel. <laughs> that's good. And why does everyone love yoga teachers? Why? Because they bend over backwards for you. Oh, that's sweet. Thank you. Okay. Courtney, where can people find out more about you? Give us your, the names of your yoga books and all the ways to contact you.
1: So, the best way to find out about me is just to Google my name, which is Courtney Robinson, and put the word yoga with it, because everything I've ever done will come up. Courtney Robinson Yoga, Google. Um, my book, I, I like to promote my publisher because she's independent but at Adalia Press, but you can go into Amazon, and if you put, again... Courtney Butler Robinson Yoga, you're going to come up. It's called The Mud and the Lotus. Both of them are The Mud and the Lotus, different versions. And one is actually, I've done three books actually, written two. And then I'm a contributor to a textbook on yoga therapy.
0: That's awesome. Thank you. Okay, Courtney Robinson, thank you so much for your time today. This was a delight to talk to you. Thank you. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you listening. We will talk to you soon. Wow, what an inspirational story. We are going to have Courtney on again in a few months to go through her numbers for a Finance Friday episode and dive a bit deeper into her numbers and her story. From episode 333 of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast, he was Scott Trench. I am Mindy Jensen and saying, see you later, alligator.